0: Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's really helping you grow in the Lord. But I just wanted to take a second just to talk about this great tool that I've been using to bring the Word of God to people. Anchor is a tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a lot more so it's really been helping me reach people that i can't go to their house and actually teach them a bible study so it's everything you need in the podcast in one place the best of all anchor and it's totally free so download the anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started welcome to the word bible study with pastor dan and the family good morning everybody good morning everybody well, today we're going into the book of Corinthians. All right. You guys That's excited? Yeah. You guys like the book of Romans, huh? Yeah, yeah that was powerful. Romans. This book's going to be powerful, too. It's going to tell us how we as a church should be living today. That's good. So we're going to dig into some real good things in this book. So let's start in chapter 1, verse 1. This is the letter from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ and from our brother Sosthenes I am writing to God's church in Corinth to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people he made you holy by means of Jesus Christ just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ their lord and ours may God our father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you, now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way, with all of your elegant words and all of your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into partnership with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. So you know what that means, guys. He wants us to live in harmony with everybody. He wants us to get along and be happy with everyone, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the way Christ wants us to live. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of the Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels. My dear brothers and sisters, some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos, and I follow Peter, and I follow only Christ. Has Christ been divided into fractions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except for Cyprus and Gaius. For now, no one can say that they were baptized in my name. Oh yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas. But I don't remember baptizing anyone else. For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news. And not with clever speech for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are head destruction. But we who are being saved know that it is the very power of God. For the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers and scholars and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of the world look foolish. Since God, in his wisdom, saw that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it is nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, a few of you were wise in the world's eyes and powerful or wealthy when God called you instead God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world. Things counted as nothing at all and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God, and he made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only on the Lord. You guys know what boasting means? No, it's good. What's boasting? What's boasting, Saul? Uh. I you mean, know, like, how could you boast on Fortnite? Boasting is like bragging. Like, look at me. Look what I did. Look how cool I am. God says, if you're going to boast, you better only boast about him. My God is so good. My God is a healer. My God is a deliverer. Yeah, that's good. And on that note, we're going to go on to the second chapter, guys. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words or impressive wisdom to tell you about God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to the world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom that we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that is previously hidden, even though he made it for the ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had... They would have never crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That's pretty powerful, guys. No one can even imagine the good things that God has planned for those who love him. Do you guys love them? Amen. Yeah, Yeah, say it. Say, yes, I I do. Yes, I do. Amen. Amen. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except for that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things... We do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. That's pretty powerful, guys. That means you can think like God wants you to think. Right. You can hear God's thoughts when you have the Holy Ghost. That's pretty big. I want to know God's thoughts. I want to know God's will for my life. Don't you guys? Yeah. That's how we do it, by being full of the Holy Ghost. Now we're on to chapter 3. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to the world, or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you milk, not solid foods, because you weren't ready for anything stronger, and you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarreling with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world when one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I am a follower of Apollos? Aren't you acting just like people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? And who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your heart, and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. It's important that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers. And you are God's field. You are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through the wall of flames. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God? and that the Spirit of God lives in you, God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Stop deceiving yourselves if you think you are wise by the world's standards. You need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. For the Scripture says, He traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness and again the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise and he knows they are worthless So don't boast about a following a particular human leader for everything belongs to you Whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life and death or the present and the future everything belongs to you and you belong to Christ And Christ belongs to God. That's good, guys. Chapter 4. So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. Now, a person that is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by a human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord's return. For he will bring our darkest secrets into the light and will reveal our private motives. When God will give to each one whatever praise is due. Dear brothers and sisters, I have used Apollos and myself to illustrate what i've been saying if you pay attention to what i have quoted from the scriptures you won't be proud of one of your leaders at the expense of another for what gives you the right to make such a judgment what do you have that god hasn't given you and if everything you have is from god why boast as though it were not a gift you think you already have everything you need you think you already are rich you have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. I wish you really were reigning already, for then we would be reigning with you. Instead, I sometimes think God has put us apostles on display, like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade. At the end of your parade, Victor? Yes. I guess. Yeah, you got your own parade according to the Bible. <laughs> Condemned to die. We have become a spectacle in the entire world, to people and angels alike. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but you claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honored, and we are ridiculed. Even now, we go hungry and thirsty, and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to this present moment. I am not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, You have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you to imitate me. That's why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus, just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. So if you have become arrogant, thinking I will not come visit you again, but I will come, and soon, if the Lord lets me. And then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just have pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. Which do you choose? Should I come with a rod to punish you? Or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? Chapter five. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. Something that even pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. You are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. And you should remove this man from your fellowship. Even though I am not with you in person, I am with you in spirit. And as though I were there... I have already passed judgment on this man in the name of the Lord Jesus. You must call a meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit. And so will the power of our Lord Jesus. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day of the Lord's return. That's pretty harsh though, isn't it guys? Yeah, but we're not supposed to sin, right? Right. Especially if we're going to be in the church. We got to live by God's rules, right? You're boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Sometimes we got to do that with our friends, guys. Right. If we got f***ing bad things, sometimes we got to get them away from us. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough, made without yeast, which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival, not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin, or are greedy, or cheat people, or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer and yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside. But as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. Yeah, it means we can't be having those evil people in church, huh? Right. Yeah, we got to pray for them. We got to instruct them with love and kindness and help them to make good decisions and not to sin. Alright, well let's keep going into chapter 6. When one of you has a dispute with another believer, how dare you file a lawsuit or ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers? Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? And since you are going to judge the world, can't you decide even these little things among yourselves? Don't you realize that we will judge angels. Isn't that crazy, guys? We're going to judge angels one day. That's why it's important for us to make sure our character is good because one day we're going to have to tell God what's right and wrong that goes on on earth. That's a big responsibility. Mm -hmm. So you should surely be able to resolve ordinary disputes in this life. If you have legal disputes about such matters, Why go to the outside judges who are not respected by the church? I am saying this to shame you. Isn't there anyone in all the church who is wise enough to decide these issues? But instead, one believer sues another right in front of unbelievers. Even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? You guys hear that? That means when someone does something wrong to you, it's better to just accept the fact that they did wrong to you and not try to get revenge. Not try to make it right. That's good. Instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat even your fellow believers. Because two wrongs don't make it right. Yeah, two wrongs don't make it right. So it's better to just be wrong. That's what it's telling us here. Mm -hmm. So let's continue here. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sins or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. So we should probably stay away from all those things. Right, guys? Right. Because we want to inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. It says some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy and you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach, and the stomach for food. That is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by His power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually part of Christ? That's really big, guys. You realize that? That's good. Our bodies are actually the bodies of Christ. It's the temple. That's why we don't want to put things that are bad in our bodies, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, that's important. Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself with a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say, the two are united in one. But the person who joins to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize... That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your bodies. That's important, guys. Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and we have to honor God with it, right? Right. Amen. Now we're on to the next chapter, guys. Chapter 7. All right, this chapter's all about marriage. You guys want to get married? Been married 14 years. Yeah. yeah. Don't you guys see how beautiful and awesome our relationship is and want to have one just like me and mommy's? Yeah. maybe. It's a representation of God's, right? Our relationship with God. Yeah, marriage is a good thing. So let's see what he teaches us about marriage in 1 Corinthians 7. Now, regarding the questions you ask in your letter... Yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife. And each woman should have her own husband. The husband shall fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill the husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband. And the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. So, see, more people need to pray. That's what the Bible is really saying here, guys. Afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. But I wish everyone were single, just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God for one kind or another. Which one do you guys think? You guys, you guys think you're going to have the gift of being single? Or do you think you're going to get married? Single, baby. <laughs> you little players. <laughs> so I say to those who aren't married... And to widows, it is better to stay unmarried. So see, Paul kind of agrees with you guys, just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, then they should go ahead and get married. So if you guys become teenagers and you start losing control of yourself, then you better find a wife and settle down. For it is better to marry than to burn with lust. So we're going to be single like Paul and just have girlfriends? paul didn't just have girlfriends Saul. he committed his life to jesus so he's not saying just have girlfriends he's saying stay single but if you find a girlfriend you really fall in love with her then marry her but it's better to stay single and commit your life to living for god and doing things for the church but hey paul's gonna keep going about those who are married but for those who are married i have a command that comes not from me But from the Lord, a wife must not leave her husband. But if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him. And the husband must not leave his wife. Aren't you guys happy that God commanded that I shouldn't leave my wife? Amen. Yeah. Now I speak to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct command from the Lord. If a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. And if a believing woman has a husband who is not a believer, and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage, and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children would not be holy, but now they are holy. You understand that, Victor? Because me and mom are holy... You guys are holy. So even though you haven't got baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, you're still holy because me and Mom There's are holy. Because the life me and Dad live. Yeah, until you're an adult, then you got to make that decision on your own. But if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other. For God has called you to live in peace. Don't you wives realize that husband might be saved because of you? And don't you husbands realize that your wives might be saved because of you? Each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you, and remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. For instance, a man who was circumcised before he became a believer should not try and reverse it. And the man who was uncircumcised when he became a believer should not try to be circumcised now. For it makes no difference whether or not a man has been circumcised. The important thing is that he keeps God's commandments. Yes, each of you should remain as you were when God called you. Are you a slave? Then don't let that worry you. But if you have a chance to be free, then take it. And remember, if you were a slave when the Lord called you, you are now free in the Lord. And if you were free in the Lord when he called you, You are now a slave of Christ. God paid a high price for you. So don't be enslaved by the world. Each of you, dear brothers and sisters, should remain as you were when God first called you. Now, regarding your question about the young women who are not yet married, I do not have a command from the Lord for them. But the Lord, in his mercy, has given me wisdom that can be trusted, and I will share it with you. Because of this present crisis, I think that it is best to remain as you are. If you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles. And I'm trying to spare you from these problems. He's talking about because at that time, all the Christians were executed. So it was harder for them whenever they were getting persecuted to know that their wives and their husbands could be hurt too, because of what they believed. So he was saying it might be better for right now for us not to get married, but he wasn't meaning that for all time. Like right now. Right guys. Right. Yeah. You guys understand that, right? Mm -hmm. But let me say this, dear brothers and sisters, the time that remains is very short. So from now on, those with wives should not focus only on their marriage. Those who weep and who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them. For this world, as we know it, will soon pass away. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work. See, I told you, and thinking about how he can please him. But a married man must think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. God knows I know that's true. I think about how to please your mama every day, guys. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities. And how to please her husband. You hear that, babe? Yeah, you got to you gotta learn how to please me. That's right. <laughs> Every day. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. But if a man thinks that he's treating his fiancee improperly, and will inevitably give in to his passion. Then let him marry her as he wishes. It is not a sin. But if he has decided firmly not to marry. And there is no urgency. And he can control his passion. He does well not to marry. So the person who marries. His fiance does well. And the person who doesn't marry does even better. A wife is bound to her husband. As long as he lives. If her husband dies. She is free to marry anyone she wishes, but only if he loves the Lord. And in my opinion, it would be better for her to stay single. I think that I am giving my counsel from God's spirit when I say this. All right, guys, chapter eight. We're going to wrap it up after this one, guys. He's going to be talking about food in this one, guys. Now, regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols, Yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. So what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Well, we all know that an idol is not really a God and that there is only one God. You guys know that? Amen. Yes. You one guys God. know there's only yes. one God. Yes, we celebrate one God. There's one God. <laughs> there may be so-called gods both in heaven and on earth, and some people actually worship many gods and many lords. Now, I want to point out here, guys, that lords and gods have a little letter at the beginning. Well, that it's not G talking about L. the big God and the big Lord that we serve. It's just talking about people. Pu- uh, creations and authority right. but for us there is one God the Father by whom all things were created and for whom we live and there is one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things were created and through whom we live however not all believers know this some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real So when they eat food that has been offered to these idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods, but their weak consciences are violated. It's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it and we don't gain anything if we do. But you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with weaker consciences to stumble. For if others see you with your superior knowledge eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to idols? So because of your superior knowledge, think about that, guys. Just because God shows you something... (laughs) doesn't mean you should run around and be so wise and cause other people to stumble. You give them that knowledge before God gives it to them, and it causes them to fall because they don't have God's understanding. Yeah, so just because we understand something doesn't mean we got to go around and force everybody else to understand it. But it said, because of your superior knowledge, a weaker believer to whom Christ died will be destroyed. And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong you are sinning against Christ. That's important, guys. It says if you encourage them to do something that they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. So if somebody else thinks something is wrong, you shouldn't be trying to force them to believe that it's right because you could be sinning against Christ. Listen to this statement, guys. So if what I eat causes another believer to sin, then I will never eat meat again. As long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. Hear that, Saul? Would you never eat meat again? Sure. Sure. (laughs) You don't look like you're too positive. But for real though, what if it meant that someone that you love would be able to go to heaven and live with you? Then would you never eat meat? Yeah. Yeah. See? That's what Paul's talking about. You gotta think about stuff that way. It's important. Yeah, please. All right, that wraps up chapter eight, guys. Woohoo! Yeah! So we're going to end the Bible study here, and we're going to pray with everybody who joined us on this Bible study. You guys excited about that? Amen. Come on, let's close our eyes, let's bow our heads, and let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, Jesus, we thank Thank you so much for for this time together. In your word, God, God. let us grow from what we've learned here, God. Let us plant this down inside of us, God, that it it can grow up in our life and bring a tree of faith that we we can live by, Lord. We want your word to be a light to to our path, God. And we want this Bible study to touch the lives of everybody who takes the time to spend in your word, God. We worship you and thank you for being an amazing God, and not just saving our souls for an eternity, but teaching us how to live life here on earth while we're still alive, God. We love you, and we praise you, and we lift you up. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody, for joining us so much. And we can't wait to spend time with you again soon. We're going to continue this, and we're going to wrap up this book next time, guys. So until then, may God richly bless you. Amen.